Uh, We have been in a series uh, called The Gospel According to Moses. And in it, we have been looking at the book of Deuteronomy and getting some glimpses of the gospel of Jesus in the New Testament, but looking at it from the eyes of of Moses. Today, we'll be looking at uh, Deuteronomy 31. And so you can turn in your Bible there. And this is the start of the transition from, from Moses' leadership to Joshua's leadership. It's also the transition from the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness to entering the promised land on the other side of the Jordan River, the land that has been known to flow with milk and with honey. So we're getting towards the end of, of the, the Deuteronomy book, so let's look back and do a brief review of, of what we know so far. We know that Israel is God's chosen people, coming out of the covenant that God has made with Abraham. However, the history of Israel has been a struggle. From their time as slaves in Egypt to their unfaithfulness, their disobedience, and their grumbling in the wilderness, they certainly have not been a very easy group to lead. We do know that Moses will not be crossing into uh, the promised land due to his disobedience by striking the rock in Numbers chapter 20. And we have also been told that Joshua will be his successor. Joshua has been Moses' assistant for, since an early age, and he was one of the spies that was sent into the promised land, and he came back with confidence that they could defeat the Canaanite armies. There are ten others that said, nope, they are too big, they are too strong, we can't go in, we can't do it. Most Israelites believed them, and as a result of not believing that they could defeat the Canaanite armies, that whole generation who didn't believe that God could do it ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and they died in the wilderness, with the exception of Joshua and his sidekick Caleb, With the disbelieving generation now dead, and Moses too about to die, there's a new generation that is being given the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. And so, it's at this point that we have the book of Deuteronomy, known as the repetition of the law. We have a reminder for the people of God, uh, the people of Israel of God's faithfulness, and the blessings that come with obedience to him. And we also have warning of the death and the curses that come with disobedience. As a summary, we have uh, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. It says this, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's as if Moses is saying, please, people, Please, choose God. Choose life. Choose to obey God. 
That's at the end of, uh, of chapter 30. And this morning we're going to get into the chapter 31 right after that. But before we do, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we can know you through your written word. God, by the power of your spirit, open up our hearts, open up our minds, so that we can know you deeper. And I pray that we would have the courage and the boldness to live out your word today. Speak to us now. In your name, amen. So, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses uh, 1 to 8. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord, your God himself, will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will also cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong. And courageous, do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. There's a lot in this. So if you're getting nothing out of the message, just go back to this. Just read it over and over and over again. Moses starts by announcing his upcoming death. But then he focuses the people on God's continued presence. He says, the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. Now for the Israelites, this would sound rather familiar. This would have reminded the people of God going ahead of them as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire as they were led out of Egypt, the place where they were slaves for 400 years. They were led across the Red Sea, and God went ahead of them and led them out of slavery and into freedom. And now Moses says, God will continue to go ahead of you, leading his people into the promised land. Over the past 40 years, God has provided for them. He has shown himself to them. He has taught them. And Moses is now reminding the people that God is with them, even if he no longer will be. Far too often we end up thinking of Moses as being the leader of the people of Israel. And we forget that God is the one that Moses was following. God was and God continues to be the leader of the Israelites. With 
or without Moses. And Moses wants to reassure the people that God will continue to lead them in spite of his absence. Moses continues on. He says, He, God, will destroy the nations before you. And this, is again, is a reminder of the crossing of the Red Sea to leave Egypt. The Egyptians are chasing them down. The Israelites are wondering why they were brought out into the desert. Was it to die? And Moses says to them, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. God's presence here is with the Israelites. He will fight for them. Don't be afraid. In the battle against Sihon and Og, Numbers 21-34 says, Do not be afraid of him, for I have handed him over to you. Moses continues to remind the people of God's presence that God's presence allows them to be confident in the upcoming battles. The Israelites know what is coming up on the other side of the Jordan. The spies, including Joshua and Caleb, have seen the nations before them. The Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Seven nations that are known to be uh, larger and stronger than them. And God will hand them over to the Israelites... And the Israelites have been commanded to totally destroy them. There is to be no treaties. There is to be no mercy. There is to be no intermarrying. Because if those nations stay alive, they will lead their sons and daughters away from the Lord. If you grew up in Sunday school, you might know what some of these battles that are coming up look like. The first one, the Battle of Jericho. Israel marches around the city. And the walls come tumbling down. And Israel drives in and kills all living people and all animals. With the exception of Rahab, the prostitute, and her family. So with with this history of Israel behind them, and with these giant obstacles still coming ahead of them, Israel is at a time of transition. Their leader is about to die, and they are about to be led into a land full of giants. They will have a new home, a new leader, a new life. But there are some major unknowns that are coming up ahead of them. And then we have this great word. Deuteronomy 31, 6 to 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore their forefathers to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. 
Even though there's a new leader, a new land, a new life, there are giants ahead that need to be defeated. God is with you. He is going ahead of you. Don't be afraid. These are definitely words for us today as well. One author that I was reading said, Times of transition represent tests of faith. In times of uncertainty, will we put our faith in the true living God or a false God of this world? Will we step ahead confident in God's presence, in the Holy Spirit, in the life of the believer? Or will we shrink back in fear based on our own perceived weakness? One of the things that we have done as a church is we've clarified our values and we've put them in rank order of priority. As a church, as Forest Grove Community Church, we have said that our number one value is faith. For those of you who have gone through baptism and membership sessions with me, we've talked a little bit about this. We've just, just briefly alluded to it. But when it comes to times of transition, these values become all the more important as they get lived out. Uh, if you're new here, uh, there's a brochure, uh, just in the brochure rack across from the Welcome Center. It looks like this. And in it, right here, it says, our, these are our core values. It lists them for you. Number one, faith. Explained this way. Our creator God is the object of our faith. It is all about him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This leads us to worship him with response-filled lives of faith. Our faith leads us to risk-taking obedience. It requires us to take a step. It may seem rather obvious that uh, as a church, our number one value is faith in God. Kind of a duh. But just like Israel, even after all that God has done, we still need to be reminded not to be afraid, to have faith. As you, as you read through the Bible, there is a regular contrast in the Bible between faith and fear. Uh, we're going to look at, at the book of Mark here just for a, for a quick glimpse of this. In Mark chapter 4, the disciples had the presence of God with them in the person of Jesus Christ in a boat, right there with him, God's presence. And they had just learned from Jesus through the first section of Mark chapter 4 that no matter what, God's kingdom will advance and will grow and will accomplish his purpose. No matter what, nothing can stop it. That same day, a storm comes up. And the disciples think they're going to drown. And the disciples call out to Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus, don't you realize this is the end of your kingdom here? We're done. And Jesus stands up and says, quiet, be still, and calms the storm. And then he says to the disciples, and this is the contrast here, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? contrast between fear and faith. Chapter later, we have Jairus, the synagogue ruler, who finds out that Jesus is too late. His daughter is dead. 
And Jesus' response to him is, Don't be afraid, just believe. Have faith. Jesus goes and he heals his daughter. So fear stands in contrast to faith. Our number one value is faith. And as a church, we cannot live in fear. To live out that value, we must have faith. We can be strong and courageous as individuals and as a church, knowing that the object of our faith is a loving God who goes with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He has already gone ahead of us. And no matter what obstacles are ahead, his purposes will be accomplished. So it's easy, right? End a message. Go live that out. Don't be afraid. God is with us. Be strong and courageous. God will overcome any obstacles, storms, giants, anything in our way. We just need to follow him and we will rest in the promised land. It's easy, right? It's totally true. But what about when we don't know where God's leading us? This last week, we, uh, we got to celebrate as many of our grads graduated from high school. Congratulations, grads, wherever you are, on accomplishing that. More than likely, many of them got a, a card. And in that card would have been, Congratulations, Jeremiah 29.11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And these young grads, they've come through our youth program here, and they're really spiritual. They're amazing. They're, we had an amazing grad class this year. And they probably know that God has gone ahead of them, and that their future is in his hands, and it's great. And they're wondering, should I go to Bible school or university? Should I travel? Should I work? Should I live at home? Should I move out? What do I do? Times of transition can definitely be hard. For our grads, all the way up to people retiring, any people in in any time of transition, it's hard. It can be full of fear, and the path may not actually be clear ahead. We might not have Jesus actually sitting in a boat with us. We might not have a pillar of fire leading us, or God's presence saying, I am with you. That is when... Faith is needed. I have three points that I think may address some of the challenges for each of us when we are in the midst of transition. Number one, know God's word. Know God's word. Right after, uh, in chapter 31, I read verses 1 to 8. Right after that, verse 9, we're going to read from 9 to 13 here. Moses says, right after, this, right after this, Moses wrote down the law. It says, verse 9, Moses wrote down this law and gave it to the priests, the son of Levi, who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and, and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, at the end of seven years, in the year for canceling debts during the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, You shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the aliens living in your towns, so that they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God, and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children, 
who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God. As long as you live in the land, you are crossing the Jordan to possess. We need to know God's word. If we're in a time of transition, what does God's word say about this? If you're making a decision that is against God's word, it's not going to work out for God's glory. You may prosper in the short term, but over the long haul, it will lead to destruction. However, if you know God's word and you are faithful to it, you will be successful and prosperous. It may not feel good right away, but God's glory will prevail. In times of transition, there are things that we do know from God's word that God is leading us to. Is God leading me to love my neighbors? Yes. Is God leading me to be baptized? Yes. Give generously? Yes. Feed the hungry? Yes. Help the poor? Yes. We don't need to ask if God has gone ahead of us with these things. We have been told he has. These are things we are to do. Which then leads to the next question and and a better prayer. How should I love my neighbor? How much should I give? How do I help the homeless? And to this, I would say point number two, take a step of faith. Take a step. Faith requires an action. Faith requires a response. Our faith is in God, and as a result, we live faith-filled lives. We are people of response. God speaks, we respond. Joshua 1, verse 3. God says to Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot. The Israelites could have remained on the plains of Moab, fully confident that God has given them the promised land. It was theirs. They only needed to take it. But the Israelites needed to take a step. They needed to start walking from the plains of Moab before they saw God's provision. And actually, the priests who were leading them needed to get their feet wet in the Jordan River before the water stopped. In Joshua 3.15, it says, As soon as the priests reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water upstream stopped flowing. So they didn't just stand back at Mount Nebo or on the plains uh, and and waiting, looking ahead. Yeah, okay, no, no, the water's still going. We're just going to wait here until... It's all taken care of. The water's going to part. Remember, yeah, we'll just stand back here. They had to keep walking, and the water kept running. They had to end up taking a step, going right up to the water. And I kind of wonder what the priests were thinking at that time. Because they want to follow God's will. They're carrying the ark, and it's like, okay, there's serious consequences for getting things wrong here. I wonder if they were, they were going, okay, well, okay, God told us to cross the Jordan. Like, should we do it up here? Ah, yeah, it's a little bit, like, it's not quite as wide there, maybe a little bit rockier. 
Well, maybe God wanted us to cross down here. It's a little sandier, a little longer. Okay, maybe he wanted to do something there. And somewhere's in there, it's not recorded, but I think the priests needed to make a decision. They needed to decide, okay, where are we going to cross the Jordan? God had said, cross the Jordan. I think it was up to the priest to end up going, okay, well, I think we're going right here. This is where we're going to cross. Hope we're right. Like, did God want us? No, God just said, cross the Jordan. The priest must have made a decision. And God allows us and actually wants us to make those decisions. That's our step towards risk-taking obedience. Over time, this gets easier as we take larger and more regular steps of obedience. So, should the grad go to Bible school? Should they go to university? Take a step. Try something. Apply. Make an intentional decision. Yeah, but, but what if I'm wrong? Good question. If you love God and you're in line with God's word and you want to do what is right and what is good, here's the good news. What if I'm wrong? God redeems. If we are in love with God, if we're in line with God's word from what we know, we take a step, nothing will stop God from what he wants to accomplish. Major storms, lack of faith, wrong decisions. Through the cross of Jesus, something that was meant for bad ended up for something good. The Son of God dies on a cross, but was redeemed in the resurrection. We don't intentionally go against God's word. We know that that's not going to work out. But when we discern and when we pray and when we act confidently in God's power, God redeems. God guides. Uh, For those of you that have never preached, you've never felt what it feels like on Friday. When you're working through your message, you got it pretty much taken care of, and then a situation arises where you actually have to live it out. So this Friday, a rather significant situation, I can't go into it, but happened over at our neighbor's house. We hear some noise, some ruckus is going on. And I'm thinking, how do I love my neighbors? Like, this isn't a huge transition time, but there definitely is some of that. Okay, God's called me to love my neighbors, right? I'm working through this text, and now here's the chance to actually live it out. And so I'm wondering, okay, well, do I go over? Like, maybe I should, I should do something here. Or maybe I should just send him a Facebook message, just, okay, we're here. Maybe I should do nothing. What, what, how can I love my neighbors in, in this situation? This is an hour after I'm working through this, and I'm just going, oh, boy, I didn't want to have to live this out this way right away. Oh, man. Uh, in the end... Lou and I decided, Lou's my wife, Lou and I decided um, we're, we're not going to do anything. I kind of stood out on the deck, kind of watched, made sure that they saw me. Okay, I'm here. We ended up doing nothing. And I don't know if that was the right decision or not. The, 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 the man side of me feels like I should have done something. And I think there was Israelites when, they, when God told them to be still and he was going to fight for them. I think there were some Israelites that were there like, no, let me at these, these Egyptians. I want a piece of them. Like, I want to do something. Don't make me stand still. But I didn't act out of fear. 
that I, I didn't cower back. We, Lou and I made an intentional decision that the best way for us to love our neighbor in this situation was just to do nothing. But what if I'm wrong? Like here I had a great chance to, you know, go over and, and you know, help my neighbor. Help them out with this or encourage them with a, a, an email or something like that. Like, should we have done something? I don't know. But I do know that God goes ahead of me in loving my neighbor. We prayed for our neighbors. And we trust that God is in it and that he is doing something to redeem the situation, their situation, and that if we should have stepped out in faith, well, we should have. We'll allow God to guide that and see where he, what he does. I said there are three points to address in times of, of transition. The first is knowing God's word. The second is taking a step. And the third is learn from past, learn from past stor- stories of God's faithfulness. Learn from past stories of God's faithfulness. And this is a combo of the two points above. Know God's word, take a step in faith, but then pass it on to the younger generation. As soon as they came out of the Jordan, they crossed over. Joshua says, set up 12 stones. Joshua 4, 6. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. We are responsible to pass on the stories of God's faithfulness. We are also responsible to pass on the word of God to the next generation. This is what Deuteronomy 31, 12, and 13 is all about. So they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of his law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God. Moses wrote down the law and passed it on to the priests. Teach the young ones so that they will fear the Lord. Tell them about his miraculous ways. So when it comes to both knowing God's word and when it comes to taking a step, both of these need to be passed on to the next generation. If you're 80 years old, help those who are retiring. If your kids are out of the house, tell stories of God's faithfulness to those of us who are in the midst of the parenting years. If you've been married for a while, teach a young couple what God's word has to say about marriage. If you've gone through the loss of a job, tell others how God provided. If we keep these stories to ourselves, how do others hear about God's faithfulness? As individuals and as a church, each of us needs to daily discern where God has gone ahead of us. What has he given to us that we simply need to step into? I love the story of how people moved from Nutanambi to this location. They built a building in the middle of a field so that they could impact this neighborhood. One of the great stories of this, the history of this church. Did it go smoothly? You can talk to them. I don't think it was totally smooth. Were there steps of faith that were taken that were less than perfect? Probably. Did God lead us as a church? Absolutely. What's our next step of faith? Green space? Another site? 
Those are things that we're working through. And if you look through the, the, the sermon notes for your small groups, there's an opportunity to pray for some of those things. There's one more point that I need to make out of this text. God's presence is with Israel. He will never leave them nor forsake them. But it's not until Pentecost that the presence of God's Holy Spirit comes into people's lives. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. As believers, we have the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. And this is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Ephesians 1, 19 to 20. So what's your next step? Is it to do nothing? Maybe. Has fear been holding you back? Maybe it's getting baptized. You don't have all the details, figure it out, so something's holding you back? Take a step of faith. Know God's word, take a step. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 